I had a nice memory uh, a day or two ago, and um, I was collaborating on a paper, and one of my co-authors was like, do we have a good reference talking about how bad the concept of sympathovagal balance was? And uh, I thought of your letter, and I just remembered it was cool because, like, just being there in the room when you were writing it, and I, I always think it's nice thinking back to like the genesis of how things started. So I don't know; it was just it was just just a random thought. I remember you banging away, angry and sweating, and using your two index fingers writing this letter, and it's cool because it just it just yeah it it happened. Like we, I think we just forget that manuscripts like don't just come out of the ether; they they happen at a point of time. So yeah, there's a l- little nice memory. Do you remember that? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I can't narrow it down on the basis that I, I lost my temper during my PhD. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Tuesday. <laughs> that that doesn't that doesn't narrow it down heaps, but I I do remember I do remember those papers and that period. Not the fuck. Okay, but there's a lot of weird noises, friends and family out there. It's because I'm. Recording on a very bare bones setup, and I'm going to keep knocking stuff over the entire time. So hopefully, we can leave all the screw ups in. Yeah, um, it'll make it funnier. No cat for once, but I will. I will replace his interruptions <laughs> with my own. Yeah, man, it was. It was. I I thought it would help, and I think I. I think I overestimated that in the short term and underestimated it in the long term because when you're very present on a topic and you read everything about it and you come to a strong conclusion, you realise you have good evidence for the strong conclusion, especially when you're younger, although I really don't feel fucking young anymore, you have this very optimistic impression that everything will change soon. Everything will change immediately because the obviousness of something that you've done presents itself. And the fact that people are still talking about that fucking theory, um, <laughs> shit, Dan, it, it's it's many years now. A decade? Over um, a decade? No, it's not more than a decade. No, I'm talking about since you wrote the thing. No, it hasn't been that long, man. It's, it's more like six or seven years but it doesn't matter it's a sufficiently long time and when everything doesn't change in the short term it's very easy to get disheartened when you realize that you know you're keen about something and um you think everyone else who's sane and rational should be keen about it too and then you realize the drip 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 over time of what these things can change and, and and how they work um but that that particular theory it was a stupid theory in the 90s when it was proposed because there was no uh, neurophysiological evidence for it uh, and a substantial amount of evidence against it. And because it presented a convenience to people, it became popular. And that is probably the first really good example that I've had in my own life of the fact that science is, in the professional academic sense, structured more like a game than, uh, a, you know, uh, a, a profession. Because 
a shitty theory that gives you good access to the ability to say something rather than to know something is essentially a crutch that you can use to publish more, to pretend to know more things without really knowing them. And it's very, very difficult to unring that particular bell to take away people's toys once they've established that it, it works. Um, and this is where you see the incredibly fatuous argument of, well, well, the peer reviewers reviewed it and they like it, so it must be the case. Two shitheads saw your thing. <laughs> Two shitheads saw your shithead thing. And now it's official. And, and the moment it acquires any kind of trajectory, you know, there's one paper on a ridiculous phenomenon or a bad idea. Um, two quickly becomes five, and all of a sudden you can point to a wide body of literature. And at that point in time, you're, <laughs> you're off. You're off. Uh, people, of, of course, and because it's, it's partly a, a matter of it r r reminds me, I was thinking about science recently, thinking about the uh, digital real estate in the metaverse and the fact that people are trying to buy pieces of it. Sure. Um, and I was thinking about that from the perspective of constructing theories in science more broadly. Okay. It's the idea that you could, you're, you're, you're paying money, but the money in this case is, uh, is sort of prorated over time. Um, to be able to establish something that is an area that you get to control over time. But at the end of the day, it is more of a digital, collectively agreed fiefdom than something that has a correspondence to reality. So I started thinking of bad theory generation as kind of buying real estate in the academic metaverse. And the thing that happens after that is that you need to convince other people that it's valuable. So if you start your own, if you start Dan World and I start yeah. Scruffy World or Dickhead World or whatever people are saying about me today, um, <laughs> we, we, we are competing to convince other people to value that digital space as an asset that is, is, is uh, it, that exchanging something that, of, uh, it, that has an exchange value for pieces of it is a worthwhile activity for them. And... There, there are a lot of parallels like this, you know? I mean, it's, it's a, a related topic. I've, I, I was thinking a while back about the, the process of myth-making being related to bad theory as well. So there's lots, there's lots of layers of this, and I think I'm probably more cynical than I might be un, in an unduly way simply because I spent such a long time dealing with that in particular which is social scientists using a physiological theory that has no basis of support that was proposed in the 90s. Uh, 25 years later, people are still citing that work as if it wasn't. It was, it was superseded by evidence that was published before the fucking theory came out. <laughs> Observations that, in my opinion, not in their opinion, of the same authors that totally invalidated that were published um, towards the end of the 90s. There's a lot to there's a lot to consider around things like this, and I think your early experiences colour you, and those made me those made me cynical, because the game or the narrative building or the sort of metaverse real estate or the myth making is isn't really it means it's an obvious series of parallels. I'm not Jordan Watts's cock here. This is I'm not 
you know, this isn't fucking maps of scientific meaning. The the parallels are reasonably straightforward. I um so now I've quite finished depressing you with your your sunny introduction. It's like, hey, I'm Dan. I'm going to do a sunny introduction to the podcast. Just bring, oh wait, bring miserable fuck, miserable fuckface has five minutes of shit to talk. No, this is this this, this 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 is interesting though because I think we can think of a lot of instances of zombie theories. We I think we did an episode of zombie theories. Yes, but, quite early on we did a we did a yeah. whole we did a whole episode on that. Yeah, but then I'm not sure whether we discussed this or whether we have. But I think it's worthwhile looking at theories which have been killed. One idea being mirror neurons. I actually saw someone's written a book about this, which I'm very interested to read, which is the history really? of, of mirror neurons. And okay. its rise and uh, <laughs> its rise and, and rise subsequent rise. decline. And subsequent <laughs> decline. So I'm curious to read. I'm curious to read this book to figure out what was it that actually caused the that caused the the decline of mirror neurons and why do other theories persist? I like your idea of yes, uh, sympathetic vagal balance, for instance, is used because it's convenient. It provides a convenient explanation. I'm sure mirror neurons did the same sort of thing. It was also convenient, but then. We got to the point where, um, you, you know, you can't publish something with mirror neurons with, with, with a straight face. So I, I actually really want to read this book to actually figure well, out what you, the deal was. You, you could, you could, but the, the problem a lot of the time is if you think of scientific areas as being sort of trophic levels or levels of a pyramid where you go up in increasing layers of abstraction to get to the top. The problem is we're always in such a fucking hurry to climb the pyramid. So you start off with mirror neurons and look, the monkey likes the peanut. And before <laughs> before long, you are doing meta-meta uh, analyses of all of the ways in which they would ostensibly be uh, making themselves known through some kind of fucking cognitive task delivered on a computer to a room of 80 board undergraduates. So like, you've, you've proceeded through the layers of abstraction very, very fast. Um, and a lot of the time, the means you, you get to the top and the path that you've taken is completely walled off and you go, oh, shit, I have to go the whole way back down to the bottom again. So I'm sure that as a localized neurological phenomenon, there's probably a, lots of good questions, but you're going to have to get an animal and some really interesting neurophys rig, and you're going to have to open that motherfucker up, and uh, there's, there's going to be probes. There's going to be probes involved. So it, if, if there's anything left for it, I imagine that it's down our kind of trophic pyramid of ideas. Mm. You know, it, it's much closer to what is happening to the tissue in the place related to the function um or even maybe or maybe it's even maybe it's cellular i don't i don't fucking know or maybe mm. it's it, it, if we if we if we're being really naughty maybe it's image based um you know it's some kind of imaging uh version of those sure same sort of uh the, you know related the, the people at neuros like hate each other all over the time because <laughs> the sites are that device but you know Without getting into the full behavioral neuroscience jiggery pokery. Um, so again, I mean, it's a, it's a flight to the theory building is very hard when you are dealing, uh, you are dealing with the sort of political environment of competing abstractions. And 
it's very difficult to be interested in something as someone who studies intact people and the sort of epiphenomena that they produce. It's very difficult to do that and then suddenly think, oh, wait, we don't actually know enough about the literal mechanics of the neural tissue shit involved. And I'm going to learn about that and start from there. A lot of people will move further up this motherfucking pyramid, yeah? But it takes it takes someone with real humility to be able to move down and under it. And they have to be very convinced that it's the right thing to do because there's no way to simply and cheaply invest time and money in uh, investigating something at a kind of sub-layer of the yeah. level of abstraction that you're used to. It's much easier to go up. It's much easier to convince a biologist to write a social theory than a to someone who writes a social theory to start learning to be a biologist. I'll try. But, I mean, th- well, it, I, I feel like that's true between a whole lot of areas, you know? Psychologists who have, uh, you know, large-scale observations and experimental tasks can be very angry with sociologists who have great big theories of McFuck where they are, you know, they have an increased layer of abstraction. That's obviously that's not always the case between those two fields, but it's more, you know, well, a lot of biologists think psychologists are annoying. A lot of psychologists think that social theorists and pop psychologists are annoying. I want to talk about this um, this uh, new uh, wolf shame, which has been proposed by the journal curious uh this is a journal that the wall the purpose of the wall of shame is to highlight authors and reviewers who have committed egregious ethical violations as well as the institutions that enabled them and uh we'll post a link in the show notes to the actual wall of shame here but right now we've got um 12 people who have been named and shamed by this particular journal. I'll give you a few examples. One person, um, their offense was uh, images uh, reproduced without obtaining permission. It's a bit of a gray area, which we might come back to. Uh, Failure to respond to resulting inquiries. Okay, sure. Article retracted. Uh, Next one. This this one's interesting. Uh, Peer review fraud. Invited spouse to provide peer review without disclosing relationships uh, with the relationship and that that was our four, four articles were retracted as a result. Um, some instances of plagiarism, image plagiarism, uh, plagiarism studied data, um, uh, a d- department failed to take action in response to plagiarism. Um, so they're punishing, yeah. Oh, they're, they're actually they're actually shaming the the, the, the department rather than individual researcher. Uh, plagiarism, plagiarism, data theft fraudulent IB approval that's that's pretty bad look a whole bunch of stuff um do you think this is a good idea having such a, a wall of shame for people that have that have committed these uh ethical violations James we've we've talked about people who have done bad stuff do I think it's do I think it's a good idea yeah so this is this is quite complex so the first thing I want to do is give a shout out to Paul Brooks who did this almost a decade ago on his on his really? science broad blog, yes. Um, until he got doxxed to his university um, and heavily criticised and realised he was in a really precarious position um, because the whole blog was done anonymously. It was a well before Pub Pier. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, you should be able to find you should be able to find references to yeah. To so we this, can find some articles somewhere in the internet. I re- I remember reading this book back in the day. I mean, like, wow, this guy don't take any fucking prisoners. Like, we're going to talk about this right now. And he was um, doxxed. Oh what, man. Well, yeah, I think it was regarded as a hostile act, and people wrote to his university. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, but I could very well be mistaken. That's a long time ago. So, what happened there is what I think will also happen here. And it's 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 very simple. The legal system is not fair, and access to resources and the ability to attack and defend and maintain a certain position over time is not is not well distributed. If you have enough money, you can tie someone up in court with total fucking bullshit from now until the end of time, just on the basis that you're being malicious and unpleasant. And there's many, 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 many thousands of precedents of shitty companies and shitty people doing shitty things with the legal system because they're entitled to be able to raise civil actions against anyone doing anything. And I think that when you are in a position where you are doing this, the the defamatory aspects of it will mean that at some point in time, you even even if it's like this is twenty people and they all seem to be from Pakistan, as far as I can tell. Ah, I, 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 did, I didn't notice that actually. I well, maybe there's people from elsewhere, but I, I saw uh, several names. Like this looks n- Pakistani. Um, Indian, Nepal, I, Pakistan, Pakistan. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So they're all they're all from South Asia at the very least. I didn't. Oh, I didn't one one from the US. All right. Sure. So eventually, eventually, even if you get this right every single time. And you're doing something that could be clearly represented as defamatory. Um, someone will someone will go you, and at the point in time you're forced to defend yourself, you're forced to spend money. So I don't know. I only know curious, curious, um, because they've there's several sh- deeply shitty, probably fraudulent COVID papers that are in that journal, and I think it's a toilet journal. Um, which about which they've done very little. So, I mean, it also, you know, on that on that basis, to me, it seems unfair. But that's completely separate to the the legal problem. Um, at the first point in time, this is possible. Um, then people are going to force you to spend resources to defend it. Right. At at some point, you're going to get someone. It's not just going to be random graduate students from the other side of the world. Um, who have done something that is bad, but also God forbid that you get to the point where you make a mistake in how you do something like this, because the evidence is not being presented. It's just basically a, a statement of fact, right? I'm curious um, as to why they didn't and, link and the actual differences. Differences like opinions and facts are treated differently in this context. So if you say it's a, it's a statement of fact, and just someone, God forbid, someone else has the ability to directly challenge that and say it isn't, uh, they're going to be sending you a C&D, cease and desist, pull this down, change it, etc. So just like everything else that happens in this space, when it's sort of like the, the, the reputational management cost is weighed against the actual financial cost, or God forbid, you, you know, they, 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 uh, they try this to someone at a, a big university, uh, big university lawyers step in and people who are already on staff or on retainer 
and then they start slapping you about, you're forced to defend yourself. And at that point in time, uh, the CND it will be effective. Uh, someone will probably hear about it, and then, like, it's going to change the environment that's possible for something like this. Now, I'm not saying this is how this is good or this is how everything should be done and, the, and that notable frauds, and these people most like very likely Many of them did it at the very least because a lot of this shit, I mean, you get someone for plagiarism. A lot of the time it's absolute. It's it's very, very difficult to put the, the 80 words exactly in order the same way between two different documents. It just doesn't happen because that's not how language works. Um, or inviting you so, Yeah. Um, I mean, you can say that plagiarism is the, uh, the, the outcome rather than the process. Yes, the true plagiarism is an outcome. So, oh, I accidentally copied it in. Fuck you, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, it's from an earlier version where I, 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 I forgot to redact a note. Fuck you, it's the same. Oh, it was a comment in a sidebar and it was concluded by a co-author co by mistake. Fuck you, it's the same. Uh, outcome, outcome, not, outcome and process, different, right? Um, in, in general, things that are in this domain have a tendency to end badly and what this has going for it is that it's interesting right it's interesting to see what will happen when you name people in this context in this environment for shitty journal process stuff for behind the scenes stuff rather than the outcome of a uh, procedure. So, I mean, retraction watches complete people obviously see the parallel, right? I mean, you're yeah, talking I was about, about shitty, that. shitty scientific behavior. Yeah. But retraction watch, the vast majority of the time, is reporting on things that are happening. So, like, six things happen on Pub Pier. Uh, retraction watch talks about it. An investigation gets started. It goes on retraction watch. The investigation concludes that four of the papers should be retracted. It goes on retraction watch. The one-year anniversary of that passes without any action being taken. It goes on fucking retraction watch. So you're not talking about uh, you're talking about observable processes and outcomes. You're not talking about naughty things that people people did in your opinion as yeah. statements of fact. That's so they're very difference. very different. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's hard to have. It's hard to have a ton of, of sympathy for the people. I just don't think it's I don't think it's a particularly viable strategy long term. Um, because the other the other thing is, I mean, what does it is it are they standing up for scientific integrity? Huh? Are they? Uh, I mean, or it's just, is it a, is it a publicity thing? Like, why? Where, where is where is this, where is this coming from right now? It was like my experiences of what what gets into this journal is that the, the, like I've I've seen a, a strong streak of toilet publications going into it and being accepted, and it's much harder to accept the fact that uh, toilet publications are dangerous and need to be investigated because a lot a lot of the time they have they have actual proper external consequences that aren't you're being dishonest to me the journal. It's you're being dishonest to uh, the global public health community in the middle of a plague. So this is more sort of, I don't know, it's also, 
it's 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 grubby little things, you know. Oh, I've got my wife to peer review my papers. Yeah, it's a grubby it's a grubby little thing, but you might have like half a dozen bullshit COVID papers that are propping up a government response to how they're going to apportion large chunks of resources for what's actually dangerous or not. It's so you know. I also can't see it, you know. Uh, changing a lot of the outcomes because everything everything moves slowly do you think there's people out there just dodging up their entire careers and going, oh well these these curious people are finally on to us over here <laughs> in dodgy town <laughs> gotta stop I being dodgy now dodginess elsewhere so people people don't people don't think like that and the 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 distance the information has to travel before everyone's aware that the information exists a lot of the time is simply too far at the very least, Dan, it's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, putting aside the legal aspects, do you think, th- like, when it comes to actually whether this would discourage anyone from being dodgy, I don't think, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. People aren't going to go, oh, oh I'm not going to be dodgy so I can avoid being on this wall of shame. Um, yeah, I don't know. And it, it's weird that they don't actually link to the actual retracted paper to actually figure out like what, what the actual re- retracted statement is. Like, how is this different then? Because, I don't know, like, we yeah, see... Like I said, God, God forbid they got it wrong. There's yeah. no ability to check it. They're just making, they're just putting people's names up like to sort of alleged crimes. It's not generally how, I mean, retraction notices, as much as they're shit, at least have the decency to be stuck to the actual papers where you can see the retracted paper in the overwhelming majority of cases. So there's context, yeah. um, and it's done in public. But this is, you know, not there's no correspondence, there's no links yeah. to the retraction. It's sort of, it's just sort of inflammatory. Yeah. And you know, if they if they if that Dan if they keep doing it, they'll get the wrong person, and then like a whole a whole thing is going to kick off. Loyalties will be heavily divided. Um. Because, whoever is allegedly defamed will swear up down left right and blind that they didn't do it and that but, this is a distortion of the truth and that they're, they're being you know you're you're slagging me off to a community of my peers they could have done something similar simply by i mean for, for most journals you can search for all the article article categories you know review empirical paper what have you uh, you simply just need to have a category of retracted papers, and this would do the same thing. It would bring all these um, categories in, into the same sort of page, but without the label of wall of shame. I don't think you're, you're not going to get into any legal problems, or perhaps you are going to get into a legal problem if you retract a paper. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just so risky because, like you said, it's just a matter of time before they hit someone who's gonna is going to fight back, and the whole thing's going to get shut down. Well, at, at the very least, the whole thing's going to become porous. And it, at that point in time, it will be probably correctly be seen as particularly unfair. So, you know, a graduate student from Nepal can't threaten you properly. But yeah. someone from, uh, you know, let's say a university in southern France can threaten the bejesus <laughs> because of the resources that are available to them. Yeah, yeah. So... It, it will be at, at that and at that point in time it will it will simply be something that magnifies power disparities that are already present 
know, your ability to weasel your way out of stuff changes with your resources. It changes with your ability to legally attack and defend. And look, the, the, this is the legal system is highly variable and very difficult to understand in a lot of contexts. Yeah. And for scientists, it's often particularly difficult to understand because you are when it when it comes to when it comes to scientific and sci scientific topics crossing over with the law, there's a lot of there's almost a parallel body of knowledge sometimes that is the sort of the science, science in the eyes of the law versus actual science, science. Um, and there's a lot of really stupid precedents um, in, in various legal decisions where it's obvious that, I mean, judges try to uh, make a decision about whether or not the flow cytometry has gone wrong in something. It reminds me of people in parliament or Congress trying to figure out why the kids are doing TikToks, you know? There's a big fellow kids aspect. <laughs> yeah, huge. Time. And and it's it, it, but I mean at the same time it's it's a, it's a gigantic ask when it comes to specialty topics like this. It's a gigantic ask that you would, especially if a fucking jury was involved, which is obviously a very minimal amount of much as it's on TV a lot. It's a very minimal amount of legal proceedings. Um, it's it's a, it's a gigantic ask to hope that it makes it through a completely separate process that prioritizes completely separate things. Um, and, and, and turns out sensible on the other side. Even things that are relatively easy. But sometimes it's just, companies make decisions like this all the time. Sometimes it's just fucking easier to sue someone than resolve a, a problem. <laughs> yeah? That's like very US centric, though. Not really, no. You think so? Okay. Uh, no, I don't. Um, sometimes it's easier to dodge the fuck out of something because you know you're going to get sued, but at some point in time, you know, you're going to be able to pull it back at the end. I'm going to do this all over the world, you know? Well, you shouldn't be dumping that there. Oh, we'll pay a $10 million uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll take the hit. Right? But they... we'll, take, it's, we'll make $80 million worth of stuff. And it's me, you, you're thinking this is companies, companies, I promise you companies in Norway do that. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, all, okay. It's part of modern risk management is how you understand what your legal exposure is to some shit that you're probably going to do anyway. Um, I mean, it isn't good, but people are people, and that's their gigantic drawback. Yeah. Look, this is if I. What do you think would happen if I, all the stuff that I worked on, all of the things that I know that I haven't told people about this, if I wrote all of it down and put it in public? What do you think would happen? D depends it would on the be, It would be suicidal. <laughs> yeah? But I mean, okay. It would, be, it would be an astonishing problem. Really, just a, a, an explosion of awful business. But you're not doing it because you don't have the time or because no, you're confident? No, I'm not. I'm not uh, no, I'm not doing this. this Dan, do you know how much time it takes when something like this opens up in any given context, when something like this starts? Do you know how much fucking time and mental energy goes into the bucket of having to do this? And yeah. how much it costs to hire lawyers? 
if I'm talking about something that's going to get me, get me, uh, even, even, even if what's coming at you, it doesn't matter if it's right or not. Someone's going to come at you. Yeah. Um, usually someone who doesn't have to pay for their own fucking lawyers. <laughs> someone's, someone's, someone's going to come at you. It doesn't matter if you're in the right or you're in the wrong. It doesn't matter. It, it, it just matters that they have access and the ability to exercise leverage and you have something that they want. Hmm. So this, this, look, you, you, just how boring and venal and dreadful the, the entire thing could be. Um, as there's things that I can't, look, I've, let me put it this way. I've been backseat over the last few years on other people having legal problems that are related to uh, scientific problems. And the amount of just sheer, utter botheration that can be handed out to you because it's in the interest of the handing out parties. I'm speaking specifically about science here. You've had a threat? Yeah, but they, they, weren't, they weren't credible. But you've had threats thrown your way. Yeah, I have, but they weren't credible because of like what was said, yeah, and the way that it was said, and the difference between the difference between opinion and fact. Yes. Yeah. The facts. The facts are the facts are the facts when it comes to like the the, the statistical. Like your um, numbers don't add up. Type things. Yeah. Okay. Those are those are statements. Yeah. And a lot of the time, especially if they can be reverse engineered, and those those statements come with opinions. And so, if you say something like this, this table of values cannot exist as described. Yeah, yeah, that's a statement of fact, and you're allowed to say that if you're like if you quadruple check, if you excuse me, if you quadruple check it, and you show that it can't. That's very, very difficult to argue against. There's also a separate factor that's involved in the, the crossover between the sort of like academia and the law in this context. And it's the fact that everyone knows that dicks sue. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows that when you have no leg to stand on, when you can't defend yourself in the court of like the scientific public opinion, that's the point in time where you get all lawyery and pissy. And you have to be someone who really doesn't care about that. And there's not a lot of people who do because papers are usually an exercise in the extension of reputation in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. The science is an afterthought. It's the, the statements of, you know, I'm, I'm amazing. Give us cash. Promote me. I'm, I'm fantastic. That's why it's structured the way that it's structured and that we haven't changed it. It's not because we're insane and we don't know that digital tools exist. It's because it works for some people. Right. So what that means is um, if they sue you, I've never, I've never read, I've never read an article where it says like scientist A sues scientist B or institution B in this context and thought, well, scientist A probably has a point. Every single person who sees that goes, oh, I had no idea scientist A was that bent. Uh, okay yeah yeah okay yeah right so because of the reputational aspect that's that's actually the really strong barrier because in another context um in another context that people just come for you man Makes yeah this is what my my you know my my dad was not 
big, what is the past tense, is, is not big on like pithy sayings that you need to remember for your life, right? One thing he told me when I was very young, stay the fuck out of the legal system. There's no <laughs> way to win. Good, good advice. Yeah. That's very good advice. Yeah, it's like in any context. Yeah. yeah? When he said, when someone sues, everyone loses. There you right? go. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't good. So I suppose this has turned into the sort of like science, science and the law episode. I mean, at, at, at this particular point, but this is, look, it's also, I mean, the other, so there's the reputational aspect, but there's also the kind of communalist aspect as well. Um, it's supposed to be, um, academia is supposed to be a culture that contains the opportunity for or access to critical statements. Okay. It's supposed to, it's, so it's part of the culture. Now, it's not a big as part of the culture as we pretend it is, but you still can write and publish a letter to the editor that says that paper is a bag of shit. Yeah, you still can write a whole separate paper about how the paper is bag of shit, send it to the same journal. We still do set up certain paper types that allow people to literally directly attack each other. Yeah, yeah? point counterpoint. Argument uh, and and editors are supposed to listen and sometimes even do listen when you write to them and say something that you have published is a big bag of flaming shit. So it's not something that that is a particular attitude that is is accepted i mean uh, sometimes a custom honored more in the breach than the observance but it's supposed to be part of the landscape and it's a fairly rare person who is just a, a uninterested sociopath who just sort of you know like fuck my reputation um i don't accept that science is, an, is a place for criticism supposed <laughs> to be possible I'm going to get a lawyer and kick you down a flight of stairs on any old shit that I can drum up. It's super <laughs> uncommon, more for sociological reasons rather than for access. It's easy to write someone a CND. It's easy to uh, get a, a lawyer to, to get a bit threatening with someone else. It's really very straightforward. It's not particularly expensive. Yeah? Yeah. Um, but it's surprisingly uncommon, primarily because of these sociological factors, not because of the lack of access, but primarily because within the culture it has a different meaning not so much elsewhere yeah yeah so i mean this is in it 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 can also be like final final thing in a lot of different countries where there's anti-slap legislation uh some states in the u.s uh strategic lawsuit against public participation um, which means if someone just lawyers up on you and is a dick to you to get you to shut up about something, um, there is a there is a legal environment which presupposes the fact that a judge will just you 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 complain to something and you sue someone. A judge will just look at it and go, no, this is this is protected speech or like this is opinion. You can go fuck yourself. And the legal proceedings are very very straightforward. Um, there's some where if you're if you're a real dick about this, you can be sanctioned in reverse. Oh wow! So people okay. could come back after you for 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 wasting for wasting like a, a time, nuisance, nuisance thing. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, there's lots of cranks and and weirdos <laughs> doing um doing nuisance lawsuits. One final thing I do want to talk about is that I think doing stuff like this wall of shame can potentially discourage people from doing 
honest retractions. People who have come up and said, we screwed up, we did a thing wrong, and we don't have trust in this result anymore. If this becomes a habit and more and more journals, I mean, I don't really see it happening. I, I don't see an Elsevier journal doing a wall of shame, for instance. Um, but if this was to become more widespread, um, we shouldn't be doing stuff that's going to be discouraging on, on honest retractions because I think one of the reasons why a lot of people are very hesitant to do this kind of stuff, despite the fact that they don't even, you know, they, they find something wrong with their paper and don't have trust in it anymore, is that they don't want this mark on, on, on their CV. And this can become much worse if they're thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up on some wall of shame type thing. I love, I love when people are actually upfront and say, hey, we made a mistake and we're retracting our paper. And I think a lot of people are getting credit for this and, and, and rightly so. So everyone likes them. I they're not, they're not getting, they're getting a great deal of social credit. I don't think they're getting any professional credit. Um, certainly in, 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 in other words, like it's not that it's viewed poorly. It's obviously bad for your official metrics, McFuck. Yes. Uh, it, it would be difficult to find yourself in a scenario where you were trying to get promoted for some reason. You're like, yes, and I had true attractions because I'm such an honest John. I mean, that could very easily be taken uh, as what well, you shouldn't have had them in the first place, you dumb bastard. Um, but obviously, like socially, it's a very, very strong signal that the person is trustworthy because they don't have to. They could have just fucking ignored that shit and left the paper behind. They could have just written a whole new one, come up with new results that do the same thing and written a third paper about... You know, they could have treated it, they could have replicated it themselves and got another paper and credit. Yeah. Um, there's any number of things you can do, or you could just do what most people would do, which is quietly shut the fuck up and work on something else. Yeah. Um, but when it's important to you, you have to go out of your way, and at the end of a complicated process, you end up losing. So it would be very, very weird and unusual for someone to go through that process because they thought it would result in some kind of direct personal gain. <laughs> I think you know, I th it's like working. It's like working very, very hard to like cut off one of your own feet with a nail file. It's like while well, you've finally it, done it. No, somebody this um this uh, uh con this con woman um who was like you know charged with millions of, of fraud disappeared. And her foot washed up on a beach. They figured out it was a foot because it had a DNA and they're like, this is that lady's foot. So, she's either dead or running around somewhere without a foot. Have you seen this story? Obviously not. No, I don't go to the same websites as you that are feet-focused. <laughs> this is totally a thing. A fraud sort of socialite type completely disappeared um, except for her foot, which washed up on a beach somewhere. Um, so yeah, this this is this is the thing, and there's a lot of crazy. Is this theories. a recent story? Yeah, this is happening. This is happening right now. Go Google away, L Lady Sydney that missing is foot. Fucking crazy. I thought that's what you were alluding to, but no, this is this is this is this is news to you. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, it could be it could be that, um, or you know, she could have ripped off the wrong people and. That, that seems they to be more likely. Could, they could have turned her into pieces that are smaller than herself. <laughs> I mean, so, but I mean, if you wanted to make that, look, it's a hell of a commitment to try and uh, weasel, weasel out of something. Um, but, you know, this is in, in general, 
in general, it's much easier to steal from criminals than it is from uh, people who have uh, pe people who are not from that world. I mean, that's what that's why toe cutters were a thing in the eighties, right? People used to go around and rob criminals. That's what Chopper Reed was. Good you think that, Reed. Then someone is like, oh. I had $12,000 that I'd got from selling meth to kids and he took half of it because he, he said it was a dickhead tax and then he and then he shot my friend and left. It's like, you can't do that because you're going to implicate yourself. So, you know, anyone who's stealing millions of dollars, a lot of the time is stealing it from the sort of person who won't report it missing. However, they may end up reporting you missing. <laughs> We'll keep, we'll keep it. I'll, I'll post a link to that story. Um, speaking of this, this yeah, weird, anyone who's looking at the show notes before listening to this will have no fucking like, idea why, why footless fraud lady is, is, a, <laughs> is appearing in that. You, you need to know this to understand the narrative of the serious scientific discussion of the fucking dismembered woman thing. <laughs> you, you mentioned before. Well done. well done, Daniel. Tasteful as always. You mentioned that there's no current incentives or no sort of material incentives for, for for retracting your own papers but i do want to highlight this award that i saw um a, a few months ago from uh ecnp european something <laughs> i don't remember the name anyway this um this particular organization european neuroscience thing has the best negative data prize and this award is at ten thousand euro which is not not bad not bad this is not a token. Um, well, you know, well done, young young person for for, for publishing a negative data. This this is this is ten thousand euros, um, which is about oh, I don't know seventy eighty thousand American, something like that. Anyway, uh, so this award um, is for to recognise published negative scientific results or results of studies that do not conform to the expected outcome. Or, or original hypotheses. Um, this is great because this um, this organization has a bunch of more of your traditional awards, but they also have this best negative data prize. I like I like that. That's pretty awesome. Um, it's it's an easy thing to highlight for a reasonable amount of money. Um, I'm glad I'm glad that exists. That that seems like a that seems like a good idea. Yeah, I, I saw um, this ten thousand. What does negative What does negative data mean? So you're thinking of fucking something up on purpose? You got to cut off one of the Dan feet. Cut off one. Yeah. Of <laughs> um, I'm assuming it means. Uh, you've probably you just go back to your oxytocin research and throw a dart at it. You'll find something that makes There's no sense whatsoever. Pl plenty, plenty, plenty of negative stuff there. Maybe I can win ten thousand euros for for publishing that. <laughs> <laughs> good, oh, good on you, good on you, ECNP organization for doing that. Ten thousand euros, negative data. Um, but when's 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 the next one coming up? Anyway, yeah, I saw that. And I, I believe thought, it's. I just opened the link. You sent me the link. It said the applications open. Applications applications is open. That's why I'm struggling <laughs> with this because it was written by some. All right, you ESL motherfuckers. Applications are open, comma, and close on the 30th of April. Wow, on a single year. day. Open and close on the single day. <laughs> applications, yeah. Applications is open and close on 30th April uh, 2022 Gee, is what it says. you got to work hard for this. 